This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Small Biz America. This is Small Biz America. I'm your host, David Wolf, and thanks so much for listening. I'm really jazzed to be with the Biz Talk Radio Network family. You know, I've been a podcaster for uh, about 10 years, interviewing entrepreneurs, speakers, authors, experts, CEOs, covering a range of subject matters relating to business success, marketing, finance, sales, networking, human resources. I like to cover it all. I'm going to continue that tradition right here on BizTalk Radio Network. You can find us right here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern across the BizTalk Radio Network, on demand at iTunes, or at biztalkradio.com. Since this is our first show on BizTalk Radio, I wanted to uh, lay the groundwork We'll be producing pure uh, editorial segments, and what I mean by that is pure information and knowledge capital you can use in your business. Other segments, uh, you should know, will be sponsored. Some call this pay-for-play, and while somewhat promotional in nature, I'm always going to do my best to make them content-rich, and trust me, if I've got a guest on my show, even if it's a sponsored segment, it's because I really believe in the product, the service, and the expertise of that guest. So just know my commitment to you is to shape a show that ideally transforms the way you think about your business and at the very least provides something useful you can take with you. This week we have entrepreneur Tom Schmidt. He's the founder of Onboard Tours, a fast-growing company that facilitates tours and attractions across the USA. He'll be joining us from Houston in just a few minutes. Jeff Williams will be with us for years. Jeff has been helping baby boomers start new businesses after they've had their own successful career in whatever. So he'll be joining us from Chicago. Business advisor, relationship strategist, author, connector, Ron Zukenik will join us in segment three to talk about his latest book. It's called... 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn. The name says it all. We'll learn everything you always wanted to know about how to use and leverage LinkedIn for your business. And on segment four, the Small Biz Brain segment. We'll be introducing founder of Copywriter Today. His name is Gabe Arnold. He'll be joining us on the Brain segment uh, from his offices in Cleveland, Ohio. This program is sponsored in part by Rembrandt Communications. They are content, marketing, and SEO strategists. Visit them at rembrandtwrites.com forward slash smallbizamerica. Joining us on this segment is attorney and entrepreneur Tom Schmidt. Over the past several years, he's been building an enterprise called Onboard Tours. The company is committed to creating a remarkable travel experience for its clientele and travelers all across the U.S. On the line from his offices in Houston, Texas is Tom Schmidt. Tom, welcome to the program. 
Uh, Glad to be here. Give us a sense. I'm going to start from the top level, Tom. Give us a sense today of the scope of your company, Onboard Tours, how many cities, how many customers, what metrics are you looking at today? So we're a uh, small operator of sightseeing bus tours in each city in which we operate. Today, we operate tours in New York City, Washington, D.C., and Las Vegas. And in about uh, 30 to 45 days, we'll be opening our fourth city, San Francisco. Rapidly growing. And you've shared with me offline that uh, this really started out as some as a company called Atlantic City Party Shuttle uh, Trans. Uh, well, moving people from Atlantic City to cas- casinos from New York. And then it, 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 you also started New York uh, Party Shuttle Tours. Um, there's a story behind this I know you wanted to share. Talk a little bit about this sort of early stage. Sure. So it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating sort of business lesson that you know, can apply to any entrepreneur, any business. You know, we, we started a company called Atlantic City Party Shuttle with the intention of doing nothing but transporting people from New York City to the Atlantic City casinos. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so we had this grandiose plan of how we were going to grow that business. And sure enough, it was growing great in its first year, but we realized very quickly that we weren't busy during the week. So we said, well, what, we have this bus. What can we do in New York during the week with a bus? Well, the obvious answer was do tours. And so we created the New York Party Shuttle Tour in uh, New York City, and it grew at a rate much faster than the Atlantic City business. So ultimately, we literally shut down the Atlantic City business after one year, uh, recalibrated our bus insurance because we, you know, instead of driving across state lines and so forth, we changed the business so that we stayed within the city of New York. And then the business really took off. And a couple years later, uh, as we started uh, having more family-oriented customers, uh, school groups and such, Girl Scout troops and, that, and the like, we decided to change the name from New York Party Shuttle to Onboard Tours and uh, ultimately opened up in Washington, D.C. and then Las Vegas. You know, Now we do the Pawn Stars Tour in Las Vegas. Uh, we're launching the Trump Tour in New York uh, very shortly and, of course, uh, expanding into San Francisco. So it's become uh, quite, a, quite a growing enterprise. Yeah, and really a lesson in adaptive thinking in terms of the strategy. Uh, you didn't know what you didn't know what you didn't know, right, at the beginning there. That's exactly right. You know, no, no one affiliated with the business had any experience or any knowledge or any interest in going into the tourism industry. But, you know, it sort of fell in our laps and we just rode the wave. And you look at it and you say, okay, this is the business we really uh, are going to be in, even though it's not what we plan to do. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I wanted to, sorry to step in here. I wanted to talk a little bit about challenges you, uh, you know, once it was up and running and you've got this sort of multi-city expansion unfolding what did you not know that you didn't know uh, after you started? Uh, any surprises that you can share or adjustments you made, you know, beyond this inception surprise? Sure. Uh, you know, you see the the guys uh, who ring the bell to open the stock exchange and they interview them afterwards and they tell the story how they started their business in a garage and they thought it was going to fail multiple times. Well, we, you know, we, we have that same story. We just haven't made it to the stock exchange yet. But uh, multiple times this business has been, you know, literally on the brink of disaster, uh, of, of going out of business or being shut down, you know, voluntarily. And we've just sort of persevered through. Uh, probably the, the biggest uh, mistake we made that I would want other business owners to, to hear is, you know, we had a lot of success very early on and we let it go to our heads a little bit. And took it for granted and just made the assumption that we were going to keep growing at this astronomical rate 
uh, without having to do anything to, to keep it going. And the mistake we made was we went out and spent money, borrowed money, took in capital from investors to accommodate growth that never came. And so a year later, when the growth rate slowed down, we were saddled with additional expense and equipment and overhead that the, the sales didn't cover. And it almost killed the company. If it hadn't been for uh, the, the close-knit team being willing to work hard enough to, to push through the problem, uh, you, know, if, you know, weaker entrepreneurs would have said, hey, this is enough. We're going to close down. And so you got to be careful to make sure that your, your expenditures for growth match the actual growth as opposed to making assumptions that, that may not hold true. Yeah, or be able to change your assumptions. And, and I guess there's a brick and mortar or an infrastructure side of the business, and that's the piece that you grew that, or overgrew in anticipation of new growth. Is that right? Exactly. exactly. You know, okay. the buses, right. parking, maintenance, um, you know, all these sorts of things. We ultimately, yeah. you know, we went from having two buses one year to having six buses the next year and much more robust, larger, more expensive vehicles to boot. Uh, the, first, the first bus we bought, we paid $11,000 and literally purchased it on my American Express card um, because we bought it from a guy who had a you know small little shop just selling it used. And uh, and from that, you know, and then all of a sudden we're buying, you know, $250,000 uh, vehicles with a 10-year lifespan brand new. Right. And, you know, the, we did that too quickly. As you learn more about the business, was there, a, uh, I'll say, a positioning or a unique positioning difference that you wanted to show up as in this market? In other words, doing it differently than other uh, travel tour operators might. What did that look like for you? Yeah, that's, a, that's another big lesson from this company. And I don't, I don't know if, you know, you can't really say everybody should do this, but, but you could criticize my, me and the other founders of the business. You know, if, if you said, hey, we're going to go start a tour company, most people think, oh, well, what you need to do is you need to go research the marketplace and see what, what a tour company should look like. What should the tour look like? What are the price yeah. points in the marketplace? We did none of that. Not only did we have no experience in the industry, we never even thought about what anyone else was doing. We just sat down in a room and said, hey, if we're going to do a tour of New York City, what should that look like? And what, what came out the other side was a unique product that didn't had never existed in the marketplace. You know, Our tour guides get off the vehicle with you and walk you through the attractions. Gray right. lines and city sightings of the world don't do that. Our buses are air-conditioned instead of open top in the heat or the rain or the sleet or the snow. We're in oh, a, yeah. a heated or air-conditioned vehicle with padded seats instead of hard plastic. We provide free bottled water on the bus. And the philosophy was we want to build a tour that we would want our mother or grandmother to go take uh, as opposed to a tour that's going to you know, generate the most profit on a per ticket basis. And so mm -hmm. what we end up mm -hmm. with is a higher end product that, that fills a, a higher niche in the marketplace. Do you see growth continuing? You mentioned that it did flatten a bit uh, to your expectations. How do you see growth for a future going? Well, you know, and um, that varies by city, right? So New York took a hit for us the last couple of years because a bunch of new providers came into the marketplace. We're seeing mm -hmm. that turn back around. So now growth is resuming in New York City. We're still yeah. on a rapid growth curve in Las Vegas. D.C. is pretty you know, steady. And, of course, we'll get a big boost from opening up a fourth city of San Francisco. Oh, cool. Tom Schmidt, the, tr the uh, website, rather, is www.onboardtours.com. Tom, sure, I appreciate you joining us on the program today. We'll be following your story. Let's do it again. Thanks. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Still ahead, we've got Jeff Williams. He knows everything there is to know about how to start a business over 50 you don't want to miss that. And uh, Ron Zuckenick will be joining us, a very colorful guy, the author of 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn. <laughs> the name says it all. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 17 past the hour.
Small Biz America. For many years, Jeff Williams has helped people start businesses. His company, bizstarters.com, was created to consult, coach, assist, and provide the tools for professionals looking to start businesses and help them succeed. Joining us on the line from his offices near Chicago is Jeff Williams. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Great to be here. Great to have you again uh, and talk to you again, Jeff. Uh, of course, we know each other offline, and I've been following the work you do. Many of your clients have had successful careers and are now looking for a new direction, a new chapter, starting their own business, which is what you uh, specialize in. What are some of the myths that you've observed within the minds of people over 50 or whatever age they are about what it really takes to start a business? Well, I think the uh, first one is that it's just very complex. And while there are a lot of moving parts in doing a successful startup, uh, you, if you have the appropriate help and support, uh, you can get through it pretty quickly. Uh, we are typically taking a client from concept to fully functioning business in 12 to 14 weeks, which is a pretty uh, compact period of time. Yeah, that's a, con that's a condensed uh, curriculum, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about that road, what that looks like in terms of how you administer you know, your knowledge, your experience, your guidance for them in the endeavor. Well, I've spent oh, many hours over the last four or five years with myself and my uh, network of coaches, and we've really looked at the whole startup process. Uh, you know, we've done this 4,000 times over the last 25 years, so we're pretty familiar with the chronology of the startup process. And there's about 35 different tasks or decisions you need to make to do this right. So we sat down a couple years ago, and we went through step by step, and we said, okay, which decisions does a, the new entrepreneur need to make personally? Which decisions can be provided by an outside vendor and which ones can be done by a support team, like a virtual assistant? And we pretty much broke that 35-decision continuum into a series of steps. And by doing this, what this allows us to do is that our coaches and our clients primarily can just concentrate on what the client needs to do, which is basically creating the marketing strategy and the marketing plan, you know, the whole crux of what you're going to offer, why people care about it, how you're going to be competitive. That's critical to the success of any business. And because we've organized this in a particular way, the coach and the client primarily work on that. And then we delegate a series of organizational tasks to our support team. And this is everything from registering the domain name to installing the QuickBooks accounting software. So the reason that our process moves forward relatively quickly is that we have two parallel processes. There's the coach at the client working on strategy and fine-tuning that, and then there's our support team that's doing all the financial, legal, and operational uh, task completion so that they're working in parallel with each other. And we found this to be a very effective way to do this. Most of our clients who are over 50 are used to being in a corporate environment where there's support staff or support departments. And right. when they come to us, they want to replicate that same process in starting a business. And that's what we do with our virtual incubator program. That's fascinating that you have the support uh, and your guidance, under your guidance, to really get it done. And this departmental reference you make is very interesting because you're right. If they've worked in an institutional environment, which is the case for many of them, uh, they're going to be accustomed to having this ongoing support. You know, uh, we're visiting with uh, Jeff Williams, the website www.bizstarters.com for more information. And uh, we'll hit that again before the end of the segment. You, uh, you know, one thing that I did want to get to that 
that uh, people don't always understand is that, um, and you know this from your coaching, and this really gets inside the head of the uh, the person coming to you for assistance, is that they have a whole lot of skills in their backpack that they may not realize they have that are directly transferable to the start of a new business. So I wanted to cover that and along with that, the different types of businesses that you find yourself guiding people into, depending on what those skill sets look like, if you will. Well, that's a, a very great question you ask, and I'm glad that we have an opportunity. Let me go through these quickly. First of all, when you're looking for a job after 50, your age is definitely a detriment. There's a lot of reasons that it's a negative. Well, that's not true when you're an entrepreneur. Age can be a real plus. I'll just tell you very quickly that I know for a fact about eight years ago, I won a consulting contract from a large company here in Chicago because I had gray hair. Uh, that's not the case in the corporate world. <laughs> what happens if you have no uh, hair? Oh, sorry, I was just. Well, yeah, I, you're right. I don't have that much hair, have, but what I do have. I've seen my gray. picture. Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. I beat out a. Th I was 50 years old at the time. I beat out a 35-year-old competitor. So age is definitely a plus because age represents wisdom, experience, and uh, you know, knowing what to do and what not to do. The hmm. second thing that's really powerful when you're over 50 is you know a lot of people. Networking is really powerful. You can find a potential business partner. You can work out deals. There are joint venture opportunities out there. And quite often, they're just as close as p picking up your iPhone and looking at your uh, phone number list. It's right. just an incredible amount. Number three would be that when you're in your 50s and you've been working in the corporate world for 35 or 40 years, you know the ups and downs. You don't get discouraged easily. On the other hand, you don't go, you know, you don't get crazy exuberant about things. You kind of know how to stay on an even keel. And this is important the first couple of years you run a business because unexpected things happen and you can't go into a panic. And I think that when you're over 50, you got that mature sense of, okay, it's going to turn out well eventually. And then I think the last uh, really powerful um asset that people over 50 bring to this whole thing is that they're very realistic about the um, cause and effect situation. They know that if they put a certain amount of time in, they're going to get a certain reward, but they know it's going to take time. I've discovered with younger entrepreneurs, they're very impatient. And as a result, they short circuit certain decisions and tasks that they should do. The yeah. older people, more they understand it takes time for this to work. Jeff, as we wind down this segment, uh, talk to us a little bit about the free 50-plus uh, free webinar that you're offering to introduce folks to the work you do. Yes. Um, you and I worked on this together. Um, we realized that there were a lot of common concerns and questions that person after person after person was asking. And rather than just answer them one-on-one, -on -one, we decided to do a webinar that would discuss the real positives of being entrepreneurial after 50 and also answer the most common questions. Uh, it's about a 32-minute webinar, and you can reach it by going to my website, www.bizstarters.com, and right on the home page on the right side, there's an accent box that says celebrate our 25th anniversary. And the top link takes you right to the webinar registration page. You give us your name, you click, and you're right into the webinar. You can start it and stop it as much as you wish. And we did work on this together, full disclosure, uh, full disclosure folks. The... Uh uh, the webinar really covers sort of the top level of uh, some of the concerns we mentioned on the show today and several others that uh, 
you know, may change the way you think about, you know, the question whether you are capable of doing this, starting your own business. Jeff Williams, uh, really appreciate you today. We'll do it again for sure. Again, the website, www.bizstarters.com, just like it sounds, bizstarters.com. Jeff, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks so much, David. Still ahead, we've got Ron Zukenik. He's the co-author of 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn. The name says it all. And also, behind that, we'll have Gabe Arnold's brain. We're going to get inside Gabe Arnold's brain. Don't go away. It's 30 past the hour. It's time for another PR and SEO quick tip with Melanie Rembrandt. I asked Melanie, what is PR and why does a small business need it? Public relations or PR is basically the process of communicating a certain message to a specific audience. And this doesn't just include media members. It includes all the communications you have with employees, investors, customers, partners, etc., And small businesses need public relations to manage their reputations and build buzz about products and services. Plus, when media members talk about a specific business, that business receives third-party credibility that you simply cannot purchase any other way. And when it comes right down to it, public relations is a cost-effective way to bring in new customers, increase sales, and share important messages. Want to boost sales fast with public relations and search engine optimization? Listen to PR and SEO quick tips with Melanie Rembrandt and visit rembrandtwrites.com forward slash radio for your free newsletter, exclusive tips, and more. Small Biz. Small Biz America. He's the co-author with Ken Williams of a new book entitled 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn. If that name doesn't say it all, I don't know what does. He's business advisor, relationship strategist, author, connector, Ron Zukenik. He joins us from his offices near Indianapolis. Did I get that right, Ron? You're near Indianapolis, right? You, you did. I'm, I'm actually in Indianapolis, and thanks so much, David, for the invite. It's great to have you, uh, as always. Um, top level, uh, you're a master. I know you as a master of networking and connectivity, uh, humans connecting. Why did you and Ken choose LinkedIn as the place to focus? Well, I mean, you got to, you got to, look, it's, it's simple, David. Uh, LinkedIn is the largest professional online database in the world. Started in 2003 in May. I went on in May of 2004, and I, we just got that people underutilize and don't really understand the, the real power that they can embrace with LinkedIn. I mean, there's two new members coming into LinkedIn uh, every Second, about 5 million a month, 414 million worldwide, 126 million in this country. Wow. And it's just an unbelievable place to be. As you looked at the scope of LinkedIn and what it uh, makes available for the entrepreneur, the connecting person, what is it that folks m- tend to miss? Well, are there any blind spots that you just said, wow, we got we to gotta cover this? Well, I, I think the most important thing for most people is you know you got to understand why you're on LinkedIn. You know, most people say, hey, it seems like the place to be. It, it's a free thing. Of course, they've got premium accounts you can pay for. But the, the real question, David, is is why are you on LinkedIn? Are you there to build an online brand? Are you there to drive business? Are you there to, as a job seeker? And then 
some of the mistakes people are making, David, is that they they don't even complete their profiles. So the yeah. question is, you know, I know, it, you know, if you look at who you are as a person, the mm. question is, does your uh, profile reflect? Okay. And then okay. another thing is, is simply to optimize it. You gotta optimize it. So I'm looking for, you know, the number one activity, Dave, is on, on LinkedIn, is yeah. searching for people. Either you're searching or they're searching for you. Can you okay. be found? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you need to optimize. And when you say optimize a profile, it sounds like what it sounds like it means. But but are there a couple of tips if you've got them uh, at the tip of your tongue about how to optimize your profile on LinkedIn would be great. Well, yeah. Use all the real estate you have. As an example, there's no reason to put the same exact title in your headline. On the very top, you have your picture. So put the keywords in. When I'm looking for somebody that does what you do, the question is, what words do I put in? That's what should be up there. I don't have to duplicate it. Then I end up with a summary. See, most people don't put much time and effort into a summary, but they give you 2,000 characters. So the key is to use keywords, fill in all the blanks, uh, enrich it with media, you know, put your podcast, put your webinars, put your cheat sheets, put your white papers, get it in your profile. So include all the assets you can. You know, as I look at the table of contents of your book, it's extremely broad. It's extremely focused. Every chapter, I mean, folks, these chapters, and you pointed to one of these, the major point is why are you there? Really define why you're there. Create a strategy for being on LinkedIn and uh, developing a connection strategy. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Ron Zekinik, is about groups. Maybe misunderstood, maybe not. I'm still learning. Um, how do you like to think about utilizing or leveraging groups for uh, those who are readers of your book or those who you coach? Yeah, by the way, and thank you, David. They, you know, they changed it about six months ago. They went from 50 to now up to 100 groups. Uh, you know, and everybody should understand there's three levels, right? level one, two, and three, right, that, that I can play on. Okay. I can't access anybody that I'm not directly connected to unless I'm in a group. So here's what I always tell people. Get involved in 10 or 15 groups. Uh, you can set the privacy settings so you don't have to necessarily be inundated with email or, right. or group discussions, but participate. Right. You see, it's all about engagement. It's, it's increased interaction with people always gives us increased cooperation. So to me, get into your industry groups, show people how you think, share ideas, share information. And and one last thing I just want to mention, uh, David, you talked about a strategy. A lot of people don't have connection strategies. So you take my fictional character in the book, 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn, whose name is Networking Backwards, Right, Nick Rotten, G N R I K R O W T E N. I love that you guys used it. He had no idea why he was on. Yeah, Yeah. and he had no he had no connection strategy. And I always so people say to me, well, Ron, what what kind of connection strategy should I have? And I always tell them this: connect with people you know, connect with people you want to know, and go after the relationship, not the sale, and then develop a post connection strategy. Don't just try to collect connections. Don't try to connect. You know, people do that, David, as you know, with business cards. They take them, they they put a rubber band around it, and they put it in a drawer. That's not what LinkedIn's about. You know, it's been said, Ron, that um, I think people often make the mistake of not listening and engaging, and they just get into blasting and broadcasting. I wanted to hear what you have to say about that. I'm going to guess you concur. 
when you talk about engaging and you talk about listening, this has to be probably initially as much or more listening than it is actually um, talking, if you will. Well, well, you know, I love that because, you know, you and I know when we speak, we learn what we know, right? When we listen, we learn what other people know. Exactly. So, so listening is so powerful on an online platform. And the thing is, it's kind of like reading. You have to read. You have to understand where people are at. Whether they, what, what are they looking for? What, what are they asking for? You know, it's not Facebook, which is a cocktail party. It's an online professional database. So for me, I watch what people are posting. And then what I do is I share a lot of those posts, and then I'll react to those posts. I'll say, hey, David, what a great post you just did for Small Biz America. You know, that, that would be one way to engage and then to share it with people. And it gives me content because content, like in anything, is rich. Everybody wants content, but I don't necessarily have to be the creator of that content. There's lots of content that could be created and certainly content as you know that's out there what's really interesting about that is is when you add your comment to an existing piece of content you become a co-content creator right or a content co-creator oh, uh, uh, yeah you are you're and adding value co-create yeah. and and it, and it all boils down to that we're better together right we're better together so but 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 another comment I just want to share with people is look Absolutely. you got to figure out why you got to complete a profile you got to optimize it you got to develop a connection strategy and you got to get involved in groups but here's the last thing you've got to develop a habit of doing what successful people are doing the average length of time according to LinkedIn worldwide with 414 million people on it is 17 minutes a month. I'm suggesting oh my goodness. you take 17 minutes a day. You go on, you check notifications, you look at your mail, you you react you to any discussions that are taking place. Uh, and what happens is when you start to do this kind of stuff, you start to get more page views. Then the question is, wow, why are these people looking at my profile? And that opens up unbelievable opportunity when that happens. I can tell you that I've actually generated business, uh, paying business, monetizing my relationships from using LinkedIn. And, and I'm not, I don't ex uh, think of myself as an experienced or a, uh, how would we say, fully optimized user, if you will. Um, so, uh, listen, there's, there's so much to talk about. We can hardly cover it in one segment with Ron Zukenik. Ron, is there a particular website you'd like people to know about with reference to the book itself, 21 Days to Success with LinkedIn? And thank you, David. Uh, well, they can always go to ronsukenik.com, right? S-U-K-E-N-I-C-K.com. They can certainly go to Amazon. They can mm -hmm. certainly get the book at any uh, bookstore, right? It's either on the shelf or it can be ordered. Uh, but if they go to ronsukenik.com, they'll learn a little bit more about me. And then can I make an offer to anybody that's listening? Can sure. I give them something for free, David? Yeah. Yes. If they send me an email. Uh, from my website, ronsukenik.com, how about a 30-minute 30 uh, 30 free strategy call on LinkedIn? I love for it. For anybody Ron, we'll talk, that's yeah. listening to this broadcast. I'm coming up on a hard break. So sorry, Ron. We'll, uh, I'm going to mention that after the break. Still ahead, we've got Gabe Arnold on the Small Biz Brain. It's Small Biz. Small Biz America. The Brain. It's time for the Small Biz Brain, featuring entrepreneur and business development expert and the founder of Copywriter Today. His name is Gabe Arnold. Gabe, welcome to the program. 
Thanks, David. I'm glad to be on. Always good to have you on. Of course, we'll be doing this brain recurring thing that we do every uh, week on Small Biz America, segment four. Four powerful marketing questions to ask yourself, that's you, the listener, before pitching to your audience. And uh, Gabe, you've got some stuff ready for us. What does my audience love? That's the first of the four questions. Yeah, I think um, I always like to, when I'm getting ready to start a campaign out, I think that it's easy as a business owner, you know, or as an entrepreneur, we have so many needs that are pressing on us. And like we wear so many hats that it's, it's very easy to be focused too much internally on what's going on. And so when we start crafting a campaign, we kind of miss, miss the point. And so I put together these questions because I think it really helps me focus on what my audience wants. And so I asked myself these, you know, four questions that we're going to go through and yeah. um, what my audience, you know, what does my audience love that, that starts to just shift me out of my own mindset into, um, you know, what my audience likes. And for, um, you know, for example, for instance, if you're like, I'm working with a local salon right now, um, you know, and this can really apply to an e-commerce business, a direct marketing company, a local retail service, you know, service company, anything, but I'm working with a local salon. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, I don't go to, you know, one salon, but, but I can, reposition myself and think, okay, you know, what is it that those customers love? They like going and getting their hair done. They like having their nails done. They like being pampered. And um, I know just from my partner and girlfriend, like I know when she likes to go to the salon, she wants to go to somebody that she trusts. So these, um, these kind of questions kind of help me start to reposition how I'm thinking as we put together a marketing campaign. So we start to focus on what the audience actually, you know, loves and, and wants. Well, it's so really easy to operate out of the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. You should ask yourself. Sorry to step in. Yeah. Get out of your own head. Get out of your bubble and get into your customer's head. I love number two. What is my audience fear? The, the love and fear counterpoint so cool, uh, if you will. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of just kind of expands the whole picture for you. And if we run with the same example again, if you're going to the salon, I think that you would fear if you were brand new going to that salon, you would fear that they would butcher your hair or do something wrong or make you feel stupid about something you didn't understand. Um, and, you know, so when you, again, look at that perspective of, of your audience's feelings, then you can lower their fear or risk aversion in your campaign. You can say, yeah. you know, we have very experienced, you know, folks here that will work with you. Or, you know, when you, again, acknowledge those fears that could be in their mind, you can solidify and strengthen, you know, the campaign around what your audience is already thinking inside their head. Yep. 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 Number three is what is my audience's main goal? So now we're goalifying the motivation, right? Yeah, exactly. So this seems like really obvious, but I always ask this question when I'm building a campaign with, with clients and when we do, you know, copywriting or any type of marketing that we're doing, because sometimes that main goal gets missed and then you get into other things. And so again, the salon example, cause that's what I'm running with today. You know, they want to go in, they want to, get their hair done. They want to look their best. They want to walk out of there feeling like a million bucks. Um, and so everything should be aligned around that. And so then your message, you know, continue to stay strong and you don't get off track. And just reminding yourself yeah. of that really helps you just cone in on the message. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, number four, what other interests does my audience have? And this is sort of brilliant because I know that in funnel design, there's a lot of money left on the table, if you will, and this is a world you operate in a lot, whether it's, well, in the online world with email. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about, about the sort of tangential side of all of this. 
Yeah, there's there's two parts to that. And again, these questions will open our mind to like other possibilities and also help us focus on serving our audience at the highest level that we can. And so I think about um, an example I use for this all the time, we'll jump to a different industry, like golfers, a lot of the time, like going to the clubhouse and drinking beer. So golfers like beer. Um, or, you know, you may be, um, you know, looking at your audience and say, okay, this is the main service that I provide to them, but what are the things that they like as well? And that gives you two um, advantages. Number one, just like you mentioned, there's probably an upsell or cross-sell or another level that you could serve your customer at. Mm-hmm. But secondly, it lets you look at that other industry stream and say, I bet you I have customers over there that could use what I'm offering um, if and I can market in that space and complement the other industries. Um, and so that's that's just kind of how it helps me expand how I'm looking at the industry and the audience. And, you know, it makes me think a little bit broader about that target audience. Yeah, broadening your view of the one target into possible multiple opportunities for the business. Gabe Arnold, he's the founder of Copywriter Today, that website, www.copywritertoday.net, just like it sounds. Uh, Gabe, as always, we'll see you next week on the Small Biz Brain. Thanks for much, so much, uh, that is, for joining us. Thank you, David. Absolutely. I want to mention a quick show note. Ron Zukenik, our previous guest, send him an email, rs at ronzukenik.com. That's R-O-N-S-U-K-E-N-I-C-K.com. Tell him you want a 30-minute coaching strategy on LinkedIn, and he'll take good care of you. That's Ron Zukenik, our previous guest. We ran into a hard break. He didn't have a chance to give you that. I want to give you a golden quote to end our show with. Uh, the, goal, the critical ingredient is getting off your butt and doing something. It's as simple as that. A lot of people have ideas, but there are few who decide to do something about them now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but today, right now. The true entrepreneur is a doer, not a dreamer. That quote from Nolan Bushnell, and uh, he's a brilliant entrepreneur. You can find him if you Google Nolan Bushnell. Uh, Bushnell. It's B-U-S-H-N-E-L-L. And that's our show for today. You can listen to show archives on iTunes or on biztalkradio.com. Of course, this is our first show, so you'll find one. If uh, you'd like to appear on the show, send an email to guests at smallbizamerica.com. Send your comments, questions, and suggestions to me directly at david at smallbizamerica.com. Uh, tell you a little bit about next week's show. We've got a link to expert founder Joanne Wheland. Uh, we'll also hear from personal branding expert Suzanne Tuline. We'll hear from New Jersey marketer and podcast host himself, Ryan Cote. And, uh, of course, The Brain with Gabe Arnold. And uh, so it's a good show coming up next week. I'm so glad you were with us. Again, send me... Uh, Send me any, any comments you have to uh, david at smallbizamerica.com, and we'll take care of that. Uh, if you have suggestions for guests, we're always open. Send those to guests at smallbizamerica.com, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good, profitable week in your small business. Uh, good to be with you, and uh, we'll see you soon.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.